start looking to God's character. God's character is rooted in his personhood, who he is. And what I love about Jesus is that Jesus came to reveal to us what God is really like. And how he chooses to come and reveal God is through the saying that toddlers would call their parents of the day. How he comes to choose and to reveal God. One of the things that made the religious crowd so frustrated with Jesus is that he was taking the holy Yahweh and referring to him as Abba. That Abba, if you look that up in, in the Hebrew, and, and the connotation there in the real and the original Aramaic means something along the lines of Daddy or Papa. Religious people were so upset with Jesus because he was making God personable. He was making God relatable. He was making God something that you could actually enter into relationship with that you didn't have to arrive at by ritual. He was making the kingdom of God near. The kingdom was at hand. If we're going to understand true supernatural living, then I would like to propose to you today in this session that we have to understand sonship. True supernatural living comes out of a place of sonship. True supernatural living comes out of a place of relating to God as father, as Abba, as daddy. When the God of the impossible becomes my father on relatable terms, that's whenever the supernatural becomes accessible in my life. I don't have to do this tap dance into religiosity to make God happy. God's always been in a good mood. There's never been a time when God hasn't been in a good mood. As a matter of fact, God has always looked like Jesus. We haven't always known that, but now we do. True supernatural living is one in which we have to let Jesus radically alter our perceptions if he's going to show up in our realities. See, Jesus can't manifest into your reality until he deals with your perceptions. That's Romans chapter 12 stuff if we keep reading. That's the renewing of the mind. The daily work of salvation, the old, the old school used to say it this way, it was a sanctification. <laughs> it, it was a progressive work of salvation working out in your life. It was a regeneration. The salvation in the raising your hand, coming to the altar, saying yes to Jesus. That's like the I do at the marriage. But can I get a witness? Marriage is more than I do in signing a contract. If I told you, you know, I've got an awesome relationship with my wife. We got married eight years ago and we had the honeymoon. And right after the honeymoon, I, I got a contract to rent an apartment in town and got her a house in the country. We live about 30 miles apart. We meet up with each other two days a week for about an hour and a half. We tell each other how much we love each other. We do married people things. And then we live apart. You'd say, brother, I don't know if you've got a marriage. You didn't respond good enough. You, that's not a marriage, guys. You can't. If, you, if you're watching online, it's, just, it's not a marriage, okay? I'm sorry, but that's just, that's just not the way that this, that this happens, right? You'd say, you said yes, but you're not engaging in intimacy. You've said yes, but you've shortchanged what this relationship actually has the potential to become. I know a lot of Christians that have said, I do. They've gotten married to Jesus but they're not living in a marriage with him. They're living in that situation that I described. They meet up with him if they're really doing good twice a week, maybe once on a Wednesday, once on a Sunday for about an hour and a half, and they tell him how much they love him, and they exchange some intimate words and in worship. But here's the thing about it. 
is that if we're going to learn how to be in a supernatural relationship with Jesus, if we're going to learn how to really take up company and fellowship with the Holy Spirit, we're going to have to learn that that's something that isn't contained to the walls and halls of a building. That's something that's made to be hosted within the walls and halls of your heart. It's a daily inter- interchange with Him, exchange. It's conversation. It's communion. When you take marriage vows, you say, for better or for worse. Guess what Jesus says when He says, I do to you? For better or for worse. On the days when you do a piece of stupid, I'm still with you. Are you still with me? Learning to relate to the Father, learning to relate to who Jesus is, learning to relate to the Holy Spirit in the terms that Paul wrote here in Romans 8, chapter 16, that we are children of God, I sincerely believe is the doorway to see the supernatural. Why do I believe this? Well, I believe this because I believe that the supernatural has a geographical address. I believe that the supernatural is part and parcel of what the kingdom of God's about. I believe that stepping into a life of marriage with Christ looks like stepping into a reality called the kingdom of God. I believe the kingdom is now in my born-again condition, once I said yes to Jesus, where my citizenship is. I believe that I move into a place of now living from heaven toward earth. I believe that something new and fresh has happened in my spirit. And I love what uh, a minister by the name of Randy Clark says. He says this. He says, there's a lot of people that have repented enough to get into the kingdom, but they haven't repented enough to see the kingdom. Repentance in the Greek means to change the way that you think. Once again, unless you let Jesus deal with your perceptions, you're not going to see him showing up in your realities. Repentance and turning from my sins, saying yes to Jesus, calling out for something bigger than me, that gets me into the kingdom. But I got news for you, saints. There's some exploring to do. There's some places in this kingdom house that God wants you to check out. And I want to make a case for you today in this session that the only way we're really going to engage in the true supernatural richness of exploring the kingdom of God is if we return by means of the Holy Spirit to a place of childlike wonder. I can tell you why this progressive work of salvation, this beautiful mystery unfolding in our lives by means of the finished work of Jesus, I can tell you why for many Christians it gets stale, it gets stagnant. I can tell you why for many We say the right things, we sing the right words, but we're not seeing result to our prayer. We're not seeing the kiss of heaven in our marriage. We're not seeing the prosperity of God released into our lives. It's because we arrive at salvation in a place of childlike faith, and then we assume this adult intellectualism to finish out our Christian walk. And to stay in the kingdom, you have to stay childlike. To stay in the kingdom and to explore the the kingdom, you have to remain in the posture of a child that's resting and leaning on every word that's proceeding from the mouth of your father. Who's not angry, who's not upset, who's not ready to tell you about how disappointed he is, but whose will and desire is to lavish his kingdom riches in your life as you learn to draw near. Make no mistake, he's a good father. So there'll be some hard conversations. There'll be some conversations and there will be some no's. Anybody thankful for parents that told them no at least once in their life? But let me tell you something. God will only say no to something that has the potential to compromise your purpose or rob you of your destiny. 
There are no's in this kingdom road. But the point of his no's are to keep you in the kingdom. The point of his no's don't come out of a place of tyranny. They come out of a place of fatherhood. And if we're going to set ourselves up to be able to walk supernatural lives, we have to trust that we serve a supernatural father. That we're linked up in this beautiful supernatural relationship of father to child. Supernatural expectancy. I was ministering at our uh, kids camp. It's the first time I've ever got an invitation to go and to minister. Spoke to the youth lots of times. Hadn't gotten to speak to the kids. God had to do a work in my heart and give me a bunch of little kids that live with me full time to know how to talk to little kids. If I would have gone back then, I would have scared the little kids. So God taught me through my kids how to talk to little kids about the Holy Spirit, how to talk to little kids about Jesus, how to talk to holy ki- little kids about the Father. And I went to this camp. It's a couple weeks ago. I ministered on two Thursday nights, back to back. And uh, I came up right after worship. The, the music, the worship set had just ended. And uh, as, as I came up, I just stood on the step, and I talked to them in this tone of voice right here. Not the tone of voice I was using, because we're, we're, we're getting a little bit later in the day, so I want to make sure I keep you guys awake, all right? But here's the thing, is that I talked to them in this tone of voice, and I just began to talk about the Holy Spirit. Just talk about them. Talk about how Jesus loved them. Talk about how Jesus wanted to give them the best present that they could ever get in all their life. And that's the Holy Spirit. That Jesus wanted to give them something that was able to be louder in their heart than the arguments they have to hear at home. That God wanted to give them something that was burning brighter than the distractions of entertainment in their lives. I just started speaking to them. Six through 11-year-old children. As I just began talking about the Holy Spirit, instantly, kids, one after the other, started praying in tongues. Instantly, kids started just with the power of God coming on them, laying on the ground, people sobbing uncontrollably, hearts being healed, just talking about the Holy Spirit. You want to live a supernatural life, then my question to you is this. When's the last time Jesus left you breathless? There's a lot of things in our life that leave us breathless. What happens is is that we forget that Romans 8, 16 thing. The further and further we get away from the salvation event. We start thinking at some point in time that it really is our effort that's making us holy. It really is our rule keeping that's keeping in place the blood of Jesus. Let me tell you something. When you get washed in the blood, you can't wash it off. If we're going to grow... And what it means to live a supernatural life, then we have to have supernatural expectancy. And there's this correlation in the scripture. I'll show it to you out of Matthew 18. You can turn there. We're going to get there in a second. There's this correlation between stepping into supernatural ground in the kingdom of God and remaining in a place as of a child. I can tell you the problem with most, adults, most adult Christians. You grew up. We have this dividing line between childishness and being childlike that we have to walk. You understand that being childish and being childlike are not the same thing. Childishness has to do with immaturity, has to do with strife, has to do with division, has to do with comparison, has to do with with all those things. Being childlike has to do with recognizing our father and expecting that he really can show up in our life. Expecting and knowing and believing that he really, he really does will to bless us. Hanging on his every word. It's interesting in, in Paul's letter to the Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians. 
He writes in chapter 13, speaking about love. And one of the things he says in that chapter is, he says that when I, was, when I became an adult, I put childish things away. Notice Paul didn't say, I put childlikeness away. He said, I put childishness away. In Matthew 18, I told you to turn there and I didn't go there. In Matthew 18, check this out. Verse 1 through 4. Read out of the ESV. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child. If you get it in the original Greek, that translates into our modern day toddler. It was a toddler. Calling him a child. He put the child in the midst of them. And he said, Truly, I say to you. You know, Jesus can only tell the truth. Unless you turn, unless you change the way you think. I told you that quote. Most people have repented enough to get into the kingdom, not enough to see the kingdom. If you look in the original Greek and the word for repentance, it's to change the way that you think. How many of you know you had to change the way you thought about Jesus to confess him as Lord? You have to change the way you think about God to be able to receive him as Father. And you have to change the way you think about yourself to be able to now walk with a childlikeness to see the kingdom in supernatural ways in every area of of your life. Am I making sense right now? Even if you don't get it, I'm encouraging myself. This is good preaching. Who's the greatest? They want to know who's the greatest. What, what do we have to do to move into this place of greatness? What do we have to do to see something other than we're seeing? There's a type there, and you can even infer that they're pointing to the things that were showing up in Jesus' life. How many of you know if it's impossible to separate from Jesus' life the supernatural? And it's impossible to hang out with Jesus and not have greatness rub off on you. Most people don't know what to do with it. Because we get into a place of taking ourselves too seriously. We get into a place of thinking it's up to us to keep all the rules. But the disciples have been with Jesus and this greatness, this something other than this holy thing, this supernatural thing was showing up in this kingdom life that Jesus was showing them. And the the disciples say, we want to be connected to that. How do we do what you're doing, Jesus? How do we be great like you're great? He says, unless you turn, change the way you think, unless you repent. How many of you know that for repentance to work, it needs to be more than a one-time affair? All right. You can repent about the way you just responded to that statement. I'll give you a chance to try again later. Truly, I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom. Whoever humbles himself like this child will see the greatest things in the kingdom. Whoever humbles himself like this child, whoever believes what Romans 8, 16 says, that instead of all these other witnesses being bored against you, based upon your relational status with Jesus, allowing the Holy Spirit, building relationship with the Holy Spirit and allowing Him to speak to you about your childlike condition in the Lord, reminding Allowing the Holy Spirit to remind you to touch your heart, to tenderize your heart to the necessity, to the need that you have to crawl up into your father's lap, to be embraced by him, to be dependent on him. If you do this, you will see the supernatural in life. You will see the greatness. You will see not just the good. You'll see the great. You'll see not just the natural. You'll see the super invade every element of your life. I love kids because you can tell them. God wants to heal you. And you know what they say? Okay. They don't need 16 hours on healing. They don't need to read any book. Every single one of my kids, when they have a boo-boo, they come to me. It was funny. Not funny for my wife. And my son was just kind of being a little bit of a 
Can I say turd? Is that a bad, a bad word? He was, he was being just a little bit of a knucklehead. I don't know how that translates. Sorry to, to any of our, to our global community. I did not just say a bad word in Oklahoma. Maybe where you're from, I did, but not here. We've got worse words in Oklahoma. That wasn't what I said. But he was just being a little knucklehead, and he said this. He fell, and my, and my wife prayed for him, and he said, I really need to see Daddy because he knows how to pray for this. <laughs> He's being a knucklehead. My wife knows how to pray. And I prayed for him, and he got healed. So we'll just leave it at that. We'll just, whatever was going on there. Are you following me? My kids instinctively run to me when they're hurting. Most Christians run from God when they're hurting. Because oh, I, was, I, was, I was the clumsy one. I, I tripped. I, I did a piece of stupid. I, I fell down. This is really my fault. I skinned my knee. This is really, I so did this. All those things. And I believe sometimes the Lord just wants to say, shut up. I believe sometimes God just wants to say, you need a hug. Let me tell you why more people don't step into the supernatural power of God, experience the supernatural presence of Jesus on a daily basis, walk the kingdom road. It's because they won't humble themselves to get a hug from their dad. I don't need a hug. Brother, you need a hug. I'm fine with that one. No, no, you really need one. Kids run to their parents. When they're hurting, not from them. Even when it was their fault, they still run to their parent. When's the last time Jesus left you breathless? And when's the last time you ran with childlike abandon to the Father? If it's been a while, I can see a positive correlation between supernatural not manifesting in your life. And a timeline on those two things has to do with the kingdom. We have to think like kingdom people. We have to think from someplace else. Because when you make a decision to say yes to Jesus, you really become from somewhere else. You become from where he is. You live from his place. I love what the scripture tells us. As he is, so are we in this life. book of Ephesians says you're seated with Christ in heavenly places. Yeah, but I feel so underneath my circumstances. I feel so underneath the waves. Sounds like you better return with childlike abandon and wonder to the Father so that he can give you fatherly instruction on where he seated you. Sounds like you better humble yourself and stop living impressed by what the devil's doing and say, my dad can beat up anybody. <laughs> I talked to so many Christians counseling for hours. I, you know, I've never met a Christian that wasn't able to tell me what the devil was saying to him. That's not a gift of the Spirit. Discernment of the devil's voice is not a gift of the spirit. Discernment of spirits is, but being able to hear the devil is not a spiritual gift. Some Christians act like it is. I said, what do you, that's the, I said, we could cut the counseling short right now. You just listen to the devil all the time. Stop listening to the devil. So I teach my kids. I ask them a simple question. Anytime there's bad behavior, all I ask him is, who are you listening to? That's all I ask him. My son tells me, the devil. <laughs> He's quick. <laughs> To Son, who do you need to listen to? Jesus. There you go. Counseling. Welcome to kingdom counseling. <laughs> Actually listening to Father God by the Holy Spirit and let him hear you say, stop listening to the devil. You're my child. Don't listen to that voice. Listen, it's supernatural for some Christians just to be able to hear God more than the devil. But you're not a child of the devil any longer. 
If you recognize his voice faster than you recognize God's, you need to get saved. Or you need to remind yourself that you are. You need to engage in salvation. I love the, the childlikeness that we learn from the children. We've got to come back to a place. If we're going to expect the miraculous, we've got to live more impressed by what God's doing than what the devil's doing. We have to stop praying reactively. And we have to start praying proactively. I talk to some Christians that act like prayer is the last resort instead of the first response. Well, brother, we can pray. All that's left to do is pray. Who's your dad? I don't know who you pray to. I don't know who you talk to. But my dad is Jehovah Rapha, God, who heals me. Amen. My dad is the, unfailing, is the unfailing God. My dad is the one that breathed the cosmos into existence. My dad is the one that whenever he shows up in a place, darkness remaining is not optional. So I just hang out with my dad. Why? Because that's what good sons do. That's what good daughters do. To live a supernatural life, you have to return to a place of childlike wonder. Instead of wandering and all the distractions and entanglements of life and the pressures and the natural. Let me tell you what will kill the church faster than people that stop tithing. Carnality. Carnality is what kills the church. Existing in the kingdom, and I give existing like this, by living a life that you can live independent of God. I love what A.W. Tozier says. He says, God longs to do the impossible. He longs to do, we can put parentheses, mine, the supernatural in your life. Such a pity that we spend most of our days doing only things we can do on our own. You know what I love? is in a place of childlikeness, in a place that Jesus commanded the disciples to get you to see the greatness of the supernatural, to see the greatness of the kingdom. It makes you come into a place of understanding that you can't do anything without him. You know what else I love about kids? They ask a lot of questions, especially the younger they are. You want to know why I see answers in my life? I ask a lot of questions to God. No, not question him because I have a bad attitude. That's childishness. Questioning God to seek his face, to get the answer on a situation, that's childlikeness. I come into a place of asking him a question. God, got this doctor's report. What are we going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? Because I know you can show up. What does he say? By the Holy Spirit. Son, lay hands. Command that to leave. I can tell you one of the most beautiful things I ever saw. We've uh, adopted two precious girls into our family. I've got two children that came to me through my wife. I've got two children that came to me from God through somebody else. And the uh, past couple months, we've actually been able to legally adopt both of them. And when my uh, middle, I guess it's the middle, we're in kind of a tough place right now because there's four, but we're about to have five, so I can tell you who the middle is based upon what is coming. But uh, I shared this with the kids. I was talking about kids camp, and I know there might be several points that I forgot to finish, but I always get around to them. That's one thing good about listening to the Holy Spirit. He always, always makes me look good. So if there's a point lingering out there that you're like, you started that and you never finished it, it'll come back if it's important. So here's the thing to know. Is that because uh, I want to pay attention to what he's doing right now? My unfinished point is like, you know, whatever. Let's just get a fresh word right now. Let's keep going where we're going here, God. 
we'll come back to it. If, it's, if it was important, it was him. If it's not, it was me. It'll go away. You won't even remember it anyway. <laughs> so my middle child came to us, and uh, when we got her, she was double pneumonia in both lungs, had temperature about 105 degrees, had been living in terrible conditions, flea bites all over her body, started forming a sore on the back of her head because she'd been left in an infant carrier. She was nine months old, couldn't sit up by herself, couldn't drink out of a sippy cup. All the th- It was just a bad situation, and she came to us, and as soon as she came, the first place she went was to the emergency room, had to be on these intense breathing treatments, had to try to get the fever down, had been born with a hole in one of the walls of her heart, all this crazy stuff, and came into the house and uh, got my wife, got through the emergency room visit. Next morning, got this nine-month-old baby that acts like a two-month-old baby on the bed, and my son, he's three years old, he comes into the room, and he scares the living day. I'm starting to see a pattern between my son being a knucklehead to my wife, all right? He must be paying attention to somebody. Anyway, so he's learning. So he came in, and he, he didn't scare her, but uh, she called for me. He came in, and he jumped on the bed, and he pointed at the baby, and this is what he said. Mommy, demon. We don't, I, don't, I like talking about God more than the devil, so we don't really talk about demons I told you I taught him not to listen to the devil. I don't even necessarily know where he got the word from. Well, I do. It was the Holy Spirit. We haven't really ever talked about that. He's three years old. I don't really talk to my three-year-old about demons much. But we talk about Hulk and, and Jesus a lot. But we didn't, we didn't talk about demons. And uh, anyway, and some of you said Hulk is a demon. You need to get saved too because Hulk is awesome. But anyway, so here's the thing that you need to know. Uh, let it go. Let it go. Is it, uh, He said, Mommy, demon. He kept saying it. Mommy, demon. And pointing at the baby. And my wife's like, oh, dear Lord, what have we done? And she says, Zach, I need you to come in here. So I came in there. She said, listen to what he's saying. And I said, son, you see a demon? Yep. <laughs> Just a matter of fact. So I love about kids. Where is it? Right there. Point the baby. I said, okay, son, do this. Take your hand, put it on the baby's head, and I want you to say exactly what I tell you to say. I told him what to say instantly. No more fever. No more, no more breathing treatment. Went to the cardiologist in Dallas a couple months later. Hole in her heart had closed. Uh, you can be believing, which you get a little bit of a, of a murmur. We're believing that's gone, so you can mix faith with me and believe for that murmur to be gone. Totally, totally different. Health touched. Because I believe of a spirit that was placed on life. Listen, we're going to get to that as the sessions progress. Spiritual warfare and discerning spirits and all those things. I know that's, that's culminating. But here's the thing. You don't get there until you can receive instruction as a child. You don't get there until you start looking to your father. You don't get there until you'll do whatever dad tells you to do. You don't get there until you believe that he's your dad because you've got blood in you that's his son's blood. And Jesus is the first in a long line of brothers and sisters. And if you've got the blood of Jesus at salvation, the scripture goes on to say in Romans 8 that you are an heir with Christ which means you're in the Father's family. You sit at his table. It's your birthright to hear his voice. It's your birthright to explore his realm and his kingdom. And if your performance could have got you there, Jesus wouldn't have died. Let me tell you, we can never get there by ourselves. Every day, the progressive salvation that Pastor Craig was talking about is coming to Jesus by means of the Holy Spirit and saying, Jesus, I need you today. Not just 15 years ago when I said yes in the back row of the back pew of that church, but I need yes, I need you today. I say yes to you right now. I listen to your voice. I believe I'm a child. I need instruction from you as my father. What are we doing today? What do you will for me to do today? My son 
in that moment was able to recognize something wasn't right because we've created an environment in our home where that's not welcome. It was easily recognizable to him. It was easily recognizable. But in that moment, he knew how to operate in authority at three years old. Not because he had all this mature wisdom, not because he had all this scholarly knowledge, but because he knew all he had to do was listen to his father. You want to live a supernatural life? Here it is. I'll save you the conference cost. You don't even have to buy the book. Here it is. Simple. Get saved. Believe that at salvation you become God's child. Receive the Holy Spirit. And believe that if you keep that childlike faith, God will use you to do the impossible. If we're going to see the supernatural released into our lives, the first thing we're going to have to do is release ourselves into the Father's arms. The first thing we're going to have to do is return to a place of childlikeness, return to a place of childlike wonder. I'll close with this scripture. It's the Passion Translation, Matthew 18, 3. It says, learn this well. This is a different translation of the same verse we read about Jesus telling the disciples, unless you become like a little child. Learn this well. Unless you dramatically change your way of thinking and become teachable and learn about heaven's kingdom realm with wide, with the wide-eyed wonder of a child, you will never be able to enter in. You'll never be able to enter in. Let's pray. Put your hand on your heart. Father, I choose. Say this. Father, I choose to enter into that place of childlikeness again. I believe your will for my life is supernatural. Holy Spirit, I'm listening. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.